Listener Production. Hi, this is Paul McIntyre. Welcome to the MI3 Audio Edition. I've been a business journalist for 25 years covering the marketing, media, agency and tech sectors. In this series, we talk to industry leaders about the global and local developments that you need to be across this week. This audio edition is created in conjunction with partners as part of our Market Voice series. Well, what you're about to hear has been more than a year in the making and a year where lots of tongues have been wagging about the City of Sydney awarding QMS Media the 10-year contract to reimagine and manage its high-profile street furniture network. That rollout is about to hit the market and QMS CEO John O'Neill and Global Strategic Advisor Ann Parsons talk for the first time on the grand plans to see Sydney rival Amsterdam, London, Berlin and Barcelona as benchmark connected cities with a digital screen network spanning 70% of Sydney's street furniture infrastructure. Indeed, John O'Neill and Ann Parsons argue Sydney could even edge out Amsterdam and London as the current global stars. In this Market Voice conversation, MI3 spoke to them about what Sydney siders will start seeing in the December quarter of this year. So to John O'Neill first, um, as we mentioned, this has been a long time um, in the making, John, and there's been a little bit of work and lots of talk in the market and expectation in the market about what QMS is going to do uh, with Sydney. Um, so where is it at? Give us an update on where everything is at now. Yeah, well, Paul, it's been, it has been a long journey, as you've said. Um, there's been a lot of work gone in with our whole management team, um, obviously in winning the tender in the first place. But then building a really strong relationship with the city to ensure that we're 100% aligned with with their vision for this future city. So, And what is that? What is that vision, John? What, what does the city want and what did you deliver that got you the gig? Yeah, well, I, I think it's about listening to the city in the first place and making sure that we've got state-of-the-art assets, but we're also really focused on sort of optimising um, the travel flows of people throughout the city. So it's about you know, respecting the changes in the assets over the period of time. It's been a really old asset suite, so it's been there for 20 years. So there was a number of things that um, that the city wanted wanted us to work on and, and that was about sort of addressing ease for elderly, um, for hearing impaired people, um, for disabled people. And we needed to make sure that whatever we did with the asset suite and the design, we took all of those considerations really seriously and made sure that the flow of the city is is as fluent as it can be. And when you say the flow of the city, John, how does street furniture contribute to the flow and the traffic flow of a city? Well, I think from our perspective, we've got to make sure that we, we put the best locations and optimise the visibility. So in the past, um, a lot of the locations have been sort of running parallel to the road, which has really not maximised the impact for advertisers. So whilst we're understanding traffic flows and we've got um, a a great set of data that we use which talks about people movement and understanding how people get through the city, so we've got to make sure that it doesn't interrupt with, with, with the traffic flow for people using public transport or walking through the city through the restaurants and the offices and the and, and the fashion. So from our perspective, it's been understanding exactly where we could place the assets to get the maximum value for our advertisers, but also not interfering with traffic flow. Okay, so the location's changed then, John? Yeah, so we're working through that with the city at the moment um, and the designs and stuff that we've put forward working closely with them have all been um, sort of approved now, which is quite exciting. Um, bus stops and locations um, and approvals for that stuff is still 
still underway. So you probably won't see too many changes, but you'll see different sizes and different positions and different considerations, Paul, to the way that they're set up. Let's go to the design. Is it going to look much different? And you talk about a connected city, John. So I'm assuming you're talking there about there's going to be a a digital screen network, and this is something that's sort of considerably different to what we've seen in Sydney in the past. But design and connected cities, pull those together for us. Yeah, so look, from from a design aspect, um, you know, we've had a team of people that have been working on this for sort of over 12 months and we had to take into consideration a number of things. Um, we want to make sure that this is a showcase for the world. Um, you know, this is a this is an asset um, from a Sydney perspective and certainly from an Australian perspective that is probably the highest profile communication piece in the country. Um, so using sustainable materials, working through green roof locations and working on transparent shelter canopies to make sure that we we capture the landscape within the city and the heritage areas within the city um, was a really important part of what the brief came from from the city. And as I said, we've been working really closely with them. So that, that was a critical part of what we had to do. But over and above that, um, you know, we're going to have 70 plus um, percentage assets uh, that, that will be digital compared to the, the current offering, which is around 10. So right. um, everything is certainly digital forward. Our focus is to make this the most dynamic CBD communication piece. And, and of course, it extends over a much greater area than currently. So it's about a 26K sort of radius. So it gives us great reach in areas and a really great way to be able to connect with our platforms and our audience data and understanding for clients. I'm going to come back to you, John, on some of the design and technology stuff. But Anne Parsons, uh, apart from being in lockdown in Paris again, you've got a European perspective on this and you've had a look at, well, you know what's going on in Europe. You think the the new, what's going on with Sydney is, is right up there with the best in Europe at least. Absolutely, Paul. It's very true. I think um, John said quite well um, that what's happening in Sydney is showcase for the world, but it's it's this connected city approach that all of the great cities are pursuing. So you name the city and they're actually trying to create a fabulous looking but also really, really uh, useful high-tech CBD. Um, so you can see it in Berlin, you can see it in Barcelona. And at the moment, the, the ones that are starring are definitely London and Amsterdam. And by design and by technology, um, Sydney is absolutely up there and, and perhaps also has the real opportunity to even exceed against what is the sort of global benchmarks because of what they're doing in terms of volume of signage and just how dynamic that's going to to look and it's got two benefits the one that we're obviously interested in and our expertise is about the media communication and the sorts of really interesting things that can come out of that but someone like city of sydney is approaching this because they do want to be on that world stage as one of the smart cities and leading the play in what they have been able to deliver for their, their city, their visitors, um, and, and that whole thing about making it a walkable but still a very good-looking and high-tech area. And so when you say at the moment in Europe, and many of us haven't been there for a while, uh, Anne Parsons, but when you say London and Amsterdam is starring, what is what is it about those cities and what they've done with their street furniture and networks that's, that's standing out for you at least? I think the first thing is that some of the look of this street furniture is 
uh, something quite akin to what it is that QMS have designed with the City of Sydney. So it is, um, they are very, very transparent uh, shelters. So they're taking absolute maximum impact in terms of light and access to people being able to see the surrounds of the city, even though they might be contained within a bus shelter. So they have the benefit of the protection. They have the benefit of the information and education that might come from that digital screen, but they're actually sitting there in something which is really pristine and fabulous and doesn't take it away at all from the streetscape. Whereas um, in Paris, for example, where this started and, and started brilliantly, but, you know, like 60 years ago, um, the shelters here, whilst they still look fine, um, do not have a clear rooftop expanse. So they're a much more sort of conventional, enclosed, a bit IKEA-esque in, in their construction, which has worked right. for its time. But when you compare that to what you'll see with what's produced for City of Sydney, it's um, it really is a whole step change in terms of being sort of ergonomically and aesthetically beautiful, but with technology at full at full belt. John O'Neill, how long for us to start seeing this and in that design and the sustainability stuff? Because sustainability has been a really big play in this. I think both of you, uh, you and Anne, are going to be driving around in hybrid cars as you clean the um, the shelters and the screens in the city. I think that's what's going on, isn't it? But sustainability and design, give us give us a sense on that. What's going? What's happening there? Well, it was really critical to be. You know, this is a as we said a, a future design sort of asset, and it's sort of looking into thirty years ahead for the city. So we needed to make sure that. We worked really closely with the city, Paul, because, you know, they've got great vision themselves. They like to, you know, protect that environment as they should because that's critical. Um, there's been a lot of works going on outside of, uh, you know, what we're going to be doing. So it was just important that from our perspective, we, we had a really clear understanding of where we needed to get to. So the sustainability piece is something that is um is very close to all of our hearts, I think. And I think a lot of our advertisers are really on board with that too. They've all got sort of projects that they're working on. So so we see sort of using those sustainable materials and there's been a bit of talk in the market around how come we're not using the same locations and sorry, the, the, the same assets and the same asset suite. Well, the challenge is that that stuff is outdated. Um, mm. You know, there are some challenges around sustainability with that stuff. Um, and it wasn't meeting all of the compliance requirements for a city that's moving forward. So, so our position was to to work really hard on on providing the best opportunity we could. So it's all about sustainable materials, Paul. As I said, it's all about these green roof locations, and as Annie highlighted, the right style of canopies to open the city up, um, mm -hmm. and probably more importantly, from a compliance perspective sort of working on this um, visually impaired functionality, which is a really exciting thing we're going to bring um, to the table for the first time ever, but make sure that the digital network connects people as they move through the city. So our dynamic audience data and stuff's going to be fantastic for that, Paul. Right, because let's go there, John, because you've got a CBD network now and you do have your data flows knowing where the mobility trends that you can track. So suddenly you've got some, some really interesting visibility on, on, on movement in the CBD. Absolutely. And, and I think the most important thing is clients want to be involved. Um, audiences are back, Paul. So um, they really want to use the medium, but the challenge has always been we need to be even more accountable than we've ever been. And we're doing a lot of studies on digital, talk about effectiveness, and there's been a neuro study done not only by ourselves, but 
The Outdoor Media Association have now conducted one. So there's going to be a neuro impact factor applied to, to digital advertising. So what we're doing is we're setting up a heap of information and a great level of confidence and setting a new currency so advertisers have the confidence that they can spend some money across this connected network. Platforms are unbelievable and it's about engaging at the right time and being really flexible. And whether that's a retail client, the, the pleasing thing for us, Paul, through the COVID challenge as a digital sort of forward company, was that for the first time, the federal government and certainly the state governments heavily used digital assets to communicate those really important messages across markets. So for us, that's created a huge opportunity. Which Why did that happen, John? The first time state and the feds used out of home to communicate messages, that it hadn't happened before? Certainly used it over a long period of time, Paul, but it would be such a, a small percentage of their overall spend. Right. And, you know, there's been reasons for that. You know, they're, they're a high TV user because they can get quick reach and it cuts through for them and a heavy press user as, as, as well. But I think just to have, um, as an industry... Uh, the governments to have confidence in us to be able to communicate their messages at those really important times was a great feather in our cap. And I think as an industry, but certainly ourselves with the City of Sydney, we're going to be working hard on that connect that connectivity piece so that clients know where they're spending their money, the clients that they're addressing, their, 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 uh, their patrons. Um, it's just a really important part of where the industry needs to go. As you know, Paul, there's a lot of data, there's a lot of insights around, but we've got to make that work for our clients. We'll listen to them better and deliver a really good sort of solution for them. Just zipping back to the technology bit, John, and I'll come back to you in a sec about what could be and what we can expect uh, in the Sydney network. But, Anne, you talk again about London, Amsterdam and perhaps others. What are the things you're seeing over there in terms of the digital screen network that's enticing and interesting uh, that may be brought here or gives us a sense of what we can expect? I think it's largely the contextuality of what can happen with the advertising. That's a very big word. But the the fact that there is... um, a message that can be put out that can be very relevant to the time of day or something that's happening in the city. And John mentioned COVID, which, of course, is the sort of global best example. But the the screen usage for um, COVID in London was, was just outstanding as the preeminent way for everybody to know what was going on, what was changing, what was happening during lockdown, how hours might have changed, how cases were increasing, what was happening on the front line. So that was sort of, you know, a macro contextual view. But that can happen for any brand talking about uh, what it is that their product is doing or where it might be available for purchase or what they might be near geographically or what it might mean for them in terms of um, speed, in terms of, of terms of work. It's it's that it's creating that picture that can happen so dynamically that makes it um, a very rich story, and then becomes a media planner's, let alone a creative person's heaven, because they can work with all of those elements to do something much more compelling than would happen normally with a even with a a static poster. And I think that becomes really important because this is happening at the same time there is this real um, global push towards attention and how important attention becomes. John talked about engagement and getting the right message out there. But basically it boils down to unless you've got 
the attention of the consumer, you ain't got much. And with this digital network and the fact that you can be so contextually relevant, you're going to be able to command much more attention, which will then in time bring us on to um, a modification in currency, which is going to need to be about attention of an audience and not just a cost per thousand but a cost per attention that's getting rich territory and parsons and and, and in an out of home out of home context that's really interesting so i look forward to having that conversation at a later date john and talked about sort of what's what we're seeing in europe in terms of that screen network any sense of you know creative agencies can suddenly get pretty fancy with the city of sydney media agencies can get some 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 new insights into mobility when does this network come on by the way and then what do you see the use cases here so paul we're sort of we're working really closely with the city and we're hoping to be able to roll everything out um, the start of the last quarter. Um, so again, there's a lot of planning that's going on. That's the December quarter the then, yeah? Yeah, that's correct, yeah. So, so, so right. there's a lot of planning going on uh, to ensure that, you know, the right pieces of communication are in market. Um, and, you know, just t- talking about how, how we would do things a little differently, this is a really big education piece that we need to be focusing on, both at a creative level and at an agency level because out of home's been bought really for frequency and probably for continuity. Um, there's been certainly some reach processes over the years, but at the end of the day, we're talking about a brand new flexible platform as Annie sort of mm-hmm. spoke about. And we're talking about being really relevant with messages at the right time, being um, pr- probably almost like, almost like an impulse Add that you can you can change stuff that quickly in different sort of sectors around the city and and that extends across our whole digital network, Paul. That we need to educate creative agencies and planners and strategy guys that you can use this for short-term retail messages. You can use this for constant updates um, because really it's just an extension of a platform um, that is now real time, real time. That awareness is still, the understanding of that in the market is still a bit of work to do on that, do you think then, John, is people don't yeah, understand look, yeah. how the screen... Yeah, look, absolutely, Paul, because I think, um, you know, most most out of home is bought as an extension of a TV campaign. Um, you know, it's basically used for continuity and additional reach and some frequency, as I said. So we're now at a stage where if we understand the audience better than we ever have before and we have an opportunity to serve ads really quickly... Um, work with clients and change creative really quickly, um, that whole platform opens up a whole new way for clients to communicate. And I mean, extending from the city of Sydney into our large format digital network, we've certainly seen that in the last sort of four to five months that a lot of retail clients with short-term messages are starting to advertise to get that extended reach um, and that frequency out on the road, but be really relevant. So I think it's a really exciting time for certainly ourselves because this this is the jewel in the crown from from an advertising asset. Um, And to be able to go 70% plus digital where it just hasn't been there, it just opens up just a wonderful way for for clients to be able to communicate. Yeah, well, the digital thing's exactly right. So the thing about this, though, John, is that, and you talked about it earlier, this is the central business district. There has been some pressure on traffic flows and and how many people are in the CBD, but you say audiences are back. So what are you seeing in terms of, uh, in your data on mobility and the the longer-term trends here for for returning to CBDs? You're clearly confident. Yeah, look, without any doubt there, look, we've used a dynamic data set, and during the COVID period, we actually gave audience guarantees for clients. So we knew where traffic flows were. Um, we get up to date 
uh, engagement and rotation figures in 15 minute intervals uh, by demographic through this mobility data service that we use. Um, it's getting more and more granular as, uh, as our sort of experts, Christian Zavik and James Nettlefold and Jordana Sherlock, who work in that division, continue to work on that because we're doing a lot of work at agency level to find out what they need, Paul. So um, we've got real confidence um, and certainly the numbers that we look at each week would indicate that um, all of the cities are back to the numbers pre-COVID. So, so really, CBD traffic is back to pre-COVID levels? So what's happening, Paul, is obviously in some instances not as many people are um, working from the office, but they're still going in various days during the week. Now, right. whether that creates um, you know, a greater traffic flow of people travelling through in retail environments or in restaurants and bars and stuff. But I mean, certainly from a Sydney perspective, and I know you're based there, I'm, I'm based in Melbourne, but spent a lot of time in Sydney. We all have challenges, John. Yeah. <laughs> I, I actually found it really interesting, Paul, because, you know, once the, our restrictions got lifted here, obviously the Melbourne, the Melbourne CBD has taken a lot longer to kick back, but the numbers are starting to get better on the roads and surrounding areas. But the Sydney CBD is as busy as ever. Yeah, right. You know, where all the prime retail is and the fashion um, and the restaurants and bars. Um, I was up a couple of weeks ago and, you know, good luck trying to get into a restaurant on a Wednesday, Thursday or a Friday night, you know. Fair so, point. Yeah, so it's showing that there's, there is a good level of confidence and, and we want to tap into it. On that, there were some numbers that came from um, QMS's dynamic data because um, it comes out each week. Um, but in that younger age group, um, it's actually now back to a level that exceeds what it was in 2019, which I think is absolutely. So indexed like 104, 4% more of those people, those younger people are now out and about and exposed to that signage than was true in 2019. How do we explain that, Ann Parsons? What's going on there? Just give me a reason for that. Well, okay, here's, here's my psychological media perspective on that. It's it's just an appetite from younger people who felt the real lockdown, they felt their lives cut off and the opportunity to be back out there, they're grabbing it with both hands. So they'll do and take what before they considered sort of you know, normal, and now they know, well, it actually wasn't because we've had an experience of what it's like not to be able to do that. So they're just out there faster and harder than they were. And passes from the outside, what does this do, the Sydney rollout, as part of a bigger QMS uh, national network? For, from your perspective, what sort of momentum does this deliver? By John's description, Julian the Crown says it all. Um, you really want to have Sydney and you want to have that CBD because that accounts for... I think this number is incredible, but 7% of Australia's GDP is just based in Sydney. So that's a lot of wealth, a lot of innovation, a lot of culture that we can add to um, an incredibly strong footprint in Melbourne because that's obviously, you know, the heritage. Um, So add that to the other markets and you've just got something which is really formidable. But you know, Melbourne lover though I, though I am, having Sydney really is the thing that you want because it is the city that really puts you out there on that global stage and that is important. Yeah. So, John, what does the screen, the national screen network then look like in an audience or however you quantify it? What, what, what does it deliver to the QMS network? So as an extension of the city of Sydney now, Paul, we have, uh, we have an Impulse 711 network which is around 700 plus digital faces and that gives us uh, 
a wonderful opportunity to impact people in those environments. Um, we extend that into the Gold Coast street furniture and then 170 plus large format landmark digitals around the country uh, as well. And including that, we've obviously got Canberra Airport and there's no digital sort of advertising there. So we've built a large format sign there. So from a reach perspective, it gives us um, the real power to have deeper conversations with clients. Um, and I think that um, most clients wanting to start a national communication piece almost start in the city of Sydney because, as Annie said, it's just such mm. a critical piece. So for us to be able to be align, uh, aligning our platforms, Paul, and running ads at the, you know, off the city of Sydney and extending it from a large format digital perspective and into different environments with different creatives, with this different sort of flexible style around accountability... Um, it's just a really exciting opportunity for us. Much deeper conversations with clients for us and deeper uh, and, connections. Yeah, really interesting, John. So so what next and what happens? What can the market expect now uh, from QMS in terms of Sydney and what you do, you know, in the next six to 12 months? What are we looking at? So the next three months for us as a starting point is, is a really big education piece and we're going to spend a lot of time um, working with groups of clients, um, traditional spenders in the environment, but also extending out some invitations to some of the bigger agencies and clients that haven't spent money in that environment before. Um, we're, all, we're putting a couple of panels together that some of our senior strategy people will be involved with because we want to make sure, Paul, that um, you know we're building state-of-the-art assets. We need to be accountable. We need to have great dynamic audience to give clients absolute comfort that this is the right medium for them to be communicating on. So our real focus for the next three months is not only building the assets and making sure that our, our data, um, our dynamic audience information, um, our transparency for clients around verification is all available because that's, that's critical, but we want to get this currency right and we want to educate clients. Post that, we'll continue to look at developing um, other assets, of course, to, to add value to our suite of national assets. But the real focus for us at the moment is, is working with our clients as close as we can and having those deeper conversations because it's really important for, for client success um, and, and ours ultimately. Well, you did leave, you can't, you did leave a little hint there about some more assets. Gee, I have to ask the question, which ones are they that you're looking at? As if you're going to tell me. Well, I think at the end of the day, you know, we're always looking to to add assets that add value to um, to client communication pieces. So I'm sure there'll be some tenders out, Paul, if there's not um, stuff I can talk about and stuff I can't, but we're going to be doing our best to try to, um, you know, provide the best network of digital signs around Australia. And as I said, with, with a, a verification piece that gives our clients comfort, some audience that gives them comfort and some levels of accountability that, we probably haven't seen before. So it's a, it's a really good time. And Parsons, final word to you. You're obviously a former very high-profile media buyer. What should, the, what should the buy side be thinking about this initiative, do you think? And what's next? Well, I, th I think that the thing that is happening with out-of-home, the thing that's happening with digital out-of-home, the thing that will happen with City of Sydney is the opportunity to take advantage of reach and, from a media perspective, reach is no longer a very easy objective to achieve because there aren't that many media channels that just offer you big audiences anymore. That they, they, they just don't exist. Um, 
but out of home can do that. Digital out of home does it brilliantly. So that's fantastic in terms of brand awareness and everything that sort of sits at the top of that marketing funnel. But what's going to come also with the developments in digital and as that plays into programmatic is going to be the opportunity to also want to buy digital out of home for the other end of the marketing funnel when you are able to, in fact, really talk to a quite a finite audience, uh, you know, like the people um, on their way into just jeans and being able to stop off because here's, here's an opportunity just for them. That becomes really quite call to action messaging. So I think what we have in digital out of home is a medium that is as powerful as TV and that screen and as um, call to action effective as online and that screen, but it's the best of both of those. So if it's one plus one, it's got to be better than both of them. You're approaching full funnel, as they say, Ann Parsons. Full funnel, full bore, full on. <laughs> Very good. The only thing we are not is full frontal. Yes. <laughs> well put. Some of us will be relieved about that too, I'm sure. Um, so uh, Some of John... us will stay out of jail for that. <laughs> yes. John O'Neill, and Parsons, great to talk. Look forward to seeing this network in Sydney, of course, where I may be based occasionally. Um, roll out. So um, good luck and we'll loop round up in a catch up about where all this is going. And I have to say, really surprised about the, the audience has been back and that it's a really heartening sort of stat there. So uh, well done. Thanks, Paul. Great to spend time. MI3 Audio Edition was presented by Paul McIntyre. That's moi. Producer Nick Slater. Music by Matt Dwyer. For more episodes, go to podcastone.com.au or search MI3 Audio Edition on Apple Podcasts and hit the subscribe button. Listener.